me if this is working here. Yeah. Actually, this thing. Uh, oh, okay. Guys, I, I don't know whether you can hear me. Tell me if you can hear me because we are using the new Facebook application for going live, <laughs> which is what uh, didn't work last week. I don't even know how I'll be told. Where are the comments? Jesus. Okay. Okay. You you tell me. Let me wait for someone. Iko sawa, David Jenga. Santi sana. That's all I needed to know. To go sour. Moving on quickly. I have um, a lot to do today. <laughs> well, last week we were defining um, being born again. Um, I, I, I hope you guys got a sense of what being born again is. It's, it's not just a term we throw around loosely. It has a real meaning. It has a real, real-time life applications you know it's 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 not just something you say um to avoid doing things oh i don't do that because i'm born again it's it actually has has meaning uh i'm waiting now uh to be told whether the the the, the sound is okay still david mambo david Oi, David Kitenge and then David Jenga. How are you guys? I I I am David, the sound is okay, I'm guessing. The sound is okay. I want to actually start where we left off. Eh? And I want to start with um, the scripture that many people consider the foundation of their salvation. John 3:16. We know this scripture very well. Uh, thanks, David. Uh, this is much better. So, we know this scripture very well. It's it's very easy. John 3.16. Yeah, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that is the basis of what we call salvation. Now, why I call it the basis is because this is the scripture that has been taught over and over and over again, and we take salvation for granted. Now, if I tell you, hey, Kagwima, hi, how are you? <laughs> Let's hear what we, it's not me what I've got. If you want to hear what I've got, man, you're in trouble. It's 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 what God's got. That's that's why we're here. Um so the, the the there are a lot of terms there that are problematic. Um that I hope through time we will walk through because I realized it's very important to emphasize what uh, certain words mean and, and let's go carefully, right? For God so greatly loved the world. It's very important to understand that he loved the world. 
okay not not christians not not muslims the world it's very important now the the, the world world there is a cosmos and 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 it's a very disturbing word and very many people uh, have problems with it because we know the devil is called the prince of the world uh, and and so people wonder why god loves something that uh, whose prince is the world but the world does not define earth it's not it's not the same thing the, the earth is different it has always belonged to god uh, the world is the system by which the world is run it is your laws it is your education it is it is what you eat it is the laws you keep that that is the world the cosmos that uh, that is what it is so when you it says so god so loved the world injury you cannot move away from what it is that the bible is saying for god so loved the world the cosmos uh, um, and 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 that understanding is critical if we are going to move forward uh, and 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 he gave his son and and that term again is misunderstood because why was it necessary for god to save us through his son why did he have to bring a son couldn't he click his fingers and then suddenly we would be forgiven okay uh, 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 why didn't he just declare it why didn't he you know we take it for granted that jesus died for our sins but why was it necessary that he died did, did god run out of methods why was the coming of jesus and more importantly the life of jesus the life <coughs> wow bless me i'm sorry for that uh, why is the life okay death and resurrection of Christ important okay I, I do not I'm not going to talk about that but I just want to highlight the things in this scripture and I'm in John 3:16 that that people uh, take for granted so I've defined the world superficially and, and now I, I, I am talking about now the coming of of the son why uh, was it necessary for god to send his son it makes no sense i'll tell you why because ultimately if your definition of salvation is god throwing you into hell uh, and, and saving you from hell then why didn't god just do that as in there's nothing stopping him there's no law above him you know there's no there's no being above him that will punish him and tell him why did you dare save those people right uh, and, and and atheists have argued this point many times so you need to understand that the life death and resurrection of christ is not just a, a something that you take for granted jesus did not come to earth uh, to die it is not just the cross he came to earth to live to die and to resurrect okay so when god is saying that he gave us his only begotten son then what he is saying is that he gave us the life the death and the resurrection of jesus christ 
it's very important. Because if you do not come into the life of Jesus, hi Simon Mashari, how have you been? Long time, bro. Um, if you don't come into the life of Christ, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, then Christ is not alive in you. He, he, he can't save you because we must partake of what Christ partook and that is life, death and resurrection. Okay, and those are things that you must understand. You must understand how to live life. You must understand how to die. You must understand how to resurrect. If you don't believe me, this is what it says. If any man should follow me, let him deny himself, which is death. Uh, okay, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the life. So if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you have to, by necessity, understand that Christ came to show us how to live, how to die, and how to resurrect. Three things. Okay? I don't know how to say it any more clearer. Because, listen, if, if Jesus came to die on the cross, then he should have been crucified as a baby. You, you must understand that uh, the, the king at the time, Herod went looking for the two-year-old Jesus after the Magi, the, the wise men, told him that the king of the Jews is born. Okay? So you must ask yourself, if Jesus was merely born to die, then why is he saved by God as a child? Okay, because if he was born to die, then his sacrifice at any point of his life should have been sufficient. Okay, but why then is does God save him at two years? Because it's not like his blood was most pure at two years, but it, it was critical, it was important that we got to witness the life of Jesus the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. Okay? That, my dear friend, is the kingdom. All right? Are we on the same page? So when he says, for God so loved the world, so you need to understand what the world is. You need to also understand why God gave the Son and why it could not be any other way. Not at all. It could not be any other way. That's it. Let us move uh, forward, okay? It says, uh, it says, very critical, so that whoever believes in him, okay? Now, here's the thing, the question. When I say I believe in Jesus, is it an instantaneous thing or is it a continuous thing? What is it to believe in Jesus? Now, keyword there, it does not say he who believes shall not perish. It says he who believes in him. Okay? Okay? He who believes in him. Okay? Now, if you do not believe in him, then you are in trouble. What, what do I mean? You're in trouble because a lot of people say, I am trusting God for a car. I'm believing God for healing. I am believing God for that. 
wrong. No, 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 no. It is I believe in God. Full stop. Okay? Full stop. Can you just allow me one second? I need to... My, my nose seems to be running. I don't know what has just happened. But uh, to be okay. Can I get some water, please? Okay? Now, keyword, it's believe, believe in Christ, not believe for stuff. There's a difference. Okay? Let me give you an example. Alright? When I say I believe in gravity, okay? What does gravity do? What gravity does is when I jump, it pulls me down. Okay? I believe in gravity. Okay? So when I am sick, okay, when we say we are trusting God for healing, we are actually not understanding the very basic definition of belief according to God. Okay? Thank you. The belief, what belief is according to God, it is belief in him. Okay? So Abraham believed in God. He did not believe he will get a child. I know it sounds like the same thing, but it's not. Let me put it to you in perspective, okay? Believing in someone is this. Let me tell you what it means to believe in someone. When someone comes and tells you, your friend, let's call him Y, comes and tells you that Y has, has stolen, okay? But you believe in Y, okay? You will say, I do not believe you when you accuse Y of stealing because I believe in Y. Okay? Again, let me take it from another angle. Let me give you another example. When you say you believe in God, all right, uh, have faith in the truth or existence of those who believe in God. I'm coming there. I see you, David Jenga, and I like that. Asante Sunday. Right, so when it says this, listen, I want to show you the power of believing in someone. All right, when your mother calls you and you're in trouble and you need five thousand bucks, okay, and three people call you, right, your mom, your friend who you don't know very well, and a total stranger, okay, now. All of them tell you the same story. They tell you tomorrow morning, two minutes before your landlord knocks on your door, I will send you the money you need. Okay? Now, question. All of them have promised you the same thing. The one you believe in is the one who, when they tell you, I will send you 5,000 bob in the morning, you go to sleep in peace, not because of the money, but because of the person who has promised. Okay? That is why it says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham believed in the promise that he was faithful to execute the promise. Okay? So let's understand, it is very critical to know that this belief is belief in God. It is not to believe in general. All right? 
So here's the thing. If you say that I am trusting God for a car, all right? It sounds right, but it misses the mark a little bit, okay? To believe in God is to say this, okay? It is to say that you believe in, okay, God so much that car or not, your faith in him does not change. Okay, how do I mean? What I mean is this, okay? If your, 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 your best friend, your mom, whoever, tells you they're coming, okay, and they'll arrive at 6 p.m., and 6 p.m. on the dot shows up, and they're not there, do you believe they are not coming, or do you look at their character and say they must be coming? Okay? Now, that is what belief in Christ is. What does that mean? It means that belief in Christ is not an instantaneous thing. Okay? It's not, oh, I believe in Christ for a glass of water. All right? So if the water doesn't come, then I stop believing in Christ. That's what, well, not what it means. What it means is whether the water comes or not, I still believe in Christ. At which point I'll take some water. Okay? So let's understand. What then it means is you've got to look at the three Hebrew boys when they're looking at Nebuchadnezzar and death straight in the eye. What do they say? They say this, okay? They say, our God is able to deliver you from, to deliver us from your hand, okay? Okay? But even if he does not, we will still not bow. Now, let us look at that term. It's in Daniel. Let's look at that, what they're saying. They're saying that what is in question here is not God's ability to save us from you, King Nebuchadnezzar. No, no, no. That's not what is in question. God can save us. Okay? But he has the sovereign right to choose not to save us. And if he does not save us, we will not change our trust, our mind about his godship in our lives, his goodness in our lives, his care for us. Please note that. You meet very many believers who the moment things go wrong for them in their life, they leave God. That's what belief in God because that is believing God for stuff. There's a difference. Believing in God is simple. Let me give you another example, and I'm belaboring this point for a reason. Because if you do not understand this, you cannot understand salvation. Okay? There is a child who's taken to 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 the to the to the to the uh, what do you call it to the doctor. Okay? Now that doctor takes a needle. A big painful needle and the child looks to the dad like dad what is going on and the dad says trust me and the child takes the injection now that is what is called believing in someone that even when they cause you injury they cause you pain 
and they take you through terribly painful experiences, you still choose to believe, which is the truth, that they are doing it for your good, which is the basis of Romans 8.28. For all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, if you must understand faith, faith can only be understood through the lens of good things, not all things rather, through the lens of all things, not just the lens of good things. Let me explain. If you understand faith through the lens of good things, then you will have a big problem dealing with the things that don't go right in your life. You apply for a job, you are rejected. Okay, your girlfriend dumps you, your boyfriend dumps you, you all of these things, and you go like, oh, Why me, God? Why me? Does God really love me? Now, that is someone who does not believe in God because someone who believes in God also knows that with every prick of the needle, God is injecting medicine. That is the belief that is being spoken of throughout the Bible. It is not the modern belief that bad things somehow you are insulated against them and the purpose of your life is to protect yourself from bad things. That, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters, is not faith. Faith is not supposed to be a shield against every bad thing that's supposed to happen in your life. Get me clearly. It's not. Faith in God is this, that everything, all things, bad and good, sweet and sour, are working together for your good. If, if you love him and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, therefore, I will go back to my illustration of life, death, and resurrection. Okay? Death is probably the biggest calamity. In fact, it's not probably. It is the biggest calamity the world can face. Okay? It is the one thing the world cannot cure, no matter how hard we try. Okay? And since death is the only thing the world cannot cure, it is interesting that Christ obeyed and God to death. Now, that's the opposite of how you live. You want to obey God to life. You don't want anything bad to happen to you. Okay? But Jesus, through his life, shows us one very important thing. He shows us that even in death, if you die... In God's hands, he will even lift you up from death. Okay? So that's faith. What is faith? Faith is what is beyond the tomb. And if Hez is watching this, uh, we need to do that someone beyond the tomb. Alright? Faith is beyond the tomb. Let me explain. Faith is not I'm trusting God for healing. Excuse me one second. It is not I'm trusting God for healing and then if I don't get healed, I get pissed at God. No, no, no. 
faith is even if I am not healed, even if I'm not cured, I know, I know that my God is still God. That's, that is what faith is. Faith is defined as such. Anything else is not faith. Please hear me correctly. Faith is beyond the tomb. You understand? Beyond death. Okay? So if you have faith, and I find this very interesting, a lot of people say, oh, I believed in God to give me a job. I'm so disappointed. I'm like, eh? is God your servant? He's got to do what you want or else you will walk away. <laughs> I got you, didn't I? Listen, it is faith in God. Which is why I told you last week, you've got to understand these things like a child. Okay? Because a child will look to you to have enough wisdom to take him for a measles vaccine, an injection. Okay? You understand? Thanks, Henry. You need to understand that despite the pain, despite the horrendous struggles we'll go through life, no matter what, you must get to the clarity of understanding that belief in God is beyond the grave, beyond the tomb. That's why you must believe in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, that whether you are alive, you are dead, or you are resurrected, Christ remains Lord. That is what it means here when it says to believe in Christ. It is not to believe for good things. Aki, guy, I don't know how to explain it to you. In fact, the, 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 the Bible dictionary definition of the term believe in Christ there expanded because I like the amplified Bible says something even interesting. I want to read it for you. Okay? It says so that whoever believes in and this is what he defines believing in as trusts in trusts in clings to relies on. So, when it says believe, it means you must trust in him, but it also means you must cling to him, and it also means you must rely on Christ. So, it's not just, oh, I believe you died and rose again. Okay? It is very easy to believe he did so, because there's a lot of historical record to show that there was a Jesus Christ of Nazareth who lived. It's not magic to believe in people who lived. I believe in my grandfather. He also lived. That's not what we are talking about here. We are not, listen, we are not talking about the knowledge. Okay? It's, it's not at the, at the, at the, how do you call it? It is not the way we say atheists do not believe in God. And me, I believe in God. That's, that's not it. Okay? It is not the confirmation of existence. Oh, yes, that's what I want you to understand. Now we are on the same page. It is not the confirmation of existence. That's not what belief here is. It is not closing your eyes and saying, oh, I believe Jesus lived. No. It is tailoring your life and relying on Christ. 
relying on Christ. Okay? Let me put it to you what it means to believe in Jesus. Okay? Let me give you another example. Okay? Believing in Jesus is like getting into a matatu. Okay? Na hauna fair. But the person with the fair is your friend next to you. Alright? So, when you get into the matatu and begin riding to Buruburu or wherever it is you are riding, because of the money that is in someone else's pocket, then what you are doing there is believing in your friend to take care of you. Are we clear? So it is not, so let's say your friend is called John. When it says believe in Christ, it does not mean know that John exists. No. Believing in Christ is what? Knowing that you can rely on, depend on, rest your life on him. And therefore Paul put it like this. He said, for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day. Okay? So it is not confirmation of existence. That's not what it means. You know, what it means here is to rely, to give your whole being over to Christ. Okay? And, and that's, that's what believing in God, that's what faith is here. I, I hope, I cannot emphasize it enough because if you don't understand it, you cannot live this Christian life because you keep being torn and you say, oh my God, I prayed the whole night, I gave money to the poor, I did this, why are these bad things happening to me? Why are bad things happening to me? Because your definition and understanding of faith is that it is a form of, of witchcraft by which you take away everything that is bad in your life. So even preachers tell you that you go to their someone's they pray for you. After they pray for you, it does not happen. They told you you'll get a job. You didn't get a job. Then you go to them and they tell you you had little faith. Nonsense. Okay? Why is it nonsense? It is nonsense because... Faith without works is dead. My friend, uh, James 2.14, I want you to go read what works is just there. I will come to it because of what I'm teaching. Eh? But I want you to go look at what works is in that James because it is called good works. Good works. Generosity. Being there for your neighbor. That's what the works in that statement is. It is good works. In other words, faith, if you believe in Christ rely on Christ, then you cannot withhold your hand from helping your friend. And that's why if you read James 2, it starts by saying, if someone comes hungry, all right, if someone comes hungry to church and you tell him, it is well, okay, God bless you, that is not a good work. So James is insisting that if you have faith, you rely on Christ, then you are not afraid to die to a few shillings so that your brother or sister can, can live. That's what it means in, 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 in um, James 2.14. And, and please read the James chapter 2 systematically. You will see literally those examples there. So the works spoken of there, and another thing we'll define one day is good works. Because we keep missing the work that we are supposed to do once we are in the kingdom. 
Because there's kingdom work and there's world work. Kingdom work is good works. Because the Bible says wherever Jesus went, he went about doing good. Okay, I hope Gregory, we're on the same page. So Christ went out doing good. And then also, in that term, when it says, keep the most holy faith, okay, and the faith we profess, then that term faith is the expanded uh, knowledge of Christianity. That is called our faith. So if, if, if you belong to Islam, it's called the Muslim faith, okay? So there's that term as well, but I'm not teaching about that. I'm teaching about the active reliance of the self on Christ, all right? So when it says without works it is dead, it does not mean, and please understand, that it does not mean if I believe in Christ, I must go to a Muslim country and evangelize. That's not what it means. It means that the good works that must be exhibited in your life, what does that mean? It basically means that if you trust in God, then why are you keeping your hand from helping your brother, yet you know if you even die helping your brother, he will resurrect you. Okay? So I will get to that in successive uh, sermons, but thanks for, for your question. I hope you're well answered. If you are not, please comment. I will see your comment. All right? Now, it says, it says, rely on, give yourself completely to Christ and you will not perish. But you shall have everlasting life. All right? Now, interestingly, this is the scripture we use for salvation. Okay? But <laughs> it is not the first time in the New Testament all right? Where this is uh, uh, where this is mentioned. Okay? Now, I want to read Matthew 10, 22. Okay? Matthew 10, 22 is the first time that, that we hear salvation in the New Testament. Now, I want to throw a spanner, okay, as to who will be saved. It says, And you will be hated for my name's sake, but he who perseveres and endures to the end will be saved. Will be saved. <coughs> well, I don't know why I'm getting allergies, Polini, for that. Now, understand, it is very clear that he who perseveres and overcomes shall be saved. Now, I have read Matthew 16 before, so I will not go into the details of it, but I want you to understand that it says, he who perseveres one, he who overcomes two, shall be saved. Therefore, therefore, it is false, wrong, and misleading for you to wake up one day and say, I am saved. Because you must of necessity have persevered and overcome. This is why I was telling you that believing in Christ is not an instantaneous event. 
It is a lifetime event. In other words, if you can keep the faith that you had when you first got saved, and losing the faith is not smoking a cigarette the way we've been taught. Because there are lots of people in salvation, and they gave up all of that salvation things a long time ago. Okay? So let us understand very carefully. It does not mean, okay, at all, at all, at all, at all, nowhere in this world does it mean anywhere, okay, that salvation comes when you say, Lord Jesus. No. Salvation comes when you've overcome. Okay. You don't believe me? Let us look at other scriptures. I don't want to go to Mark. Xavier, mm -hmm. you're being a bully. Mm -hmm. Are you being a, a bully? Sorry. Okay, you stop, okay? I want to read Revelation uh, chapter 2. I want to uh, talk about how overcoming is completely linked to salvation. You cannot be saved unless you overcome. Okay? I want to... I'll, man, there are so many scriptures, eh? Listen, I want to... 217. I'm just speaking at random. The whole of chapter 2 is full of he who overcomes. But let me just go to uh, verse 17, Revelation 217. It says, He who is able to hear, let him listen and heed what the Spirit says to the assemblies, to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to it the manna that is hidden and he'll give him a, whole, a, a, a white stone with a new name engraved on the stone which no one knows or understands, all right? Now, if you, I just keep going, I can keep going. I'll read 2.26 for you. It says, And he who overcomes is victorious, and who obeys my commands to the commands to the very end, doing the works that please me, doing the works that please me, I will give him authority and power over the nations. Hi, George. Right? So let's be clear. Let's, let's read that again, okay? Salvation is for overcomers because the belief we have is supposed to make you overcome. Understand me? So salvation is not yet. It is coming. So you cannot say you are saved because Should I say this? I guess should I say this? Salvation is about judgment. It is not about this life. Okay. You shall be saved 
then. What does that mean? You see, if you shall be saved at judgment, then salvation is not about sin and no sin. Because if you could get to judgment sinless, then you will not need to be saved. You are saved because you will get to judgment guilty. Did you hear? You, listen, listen. If you are not guilty, you would not need to be saved. Let's be clear. Okay? Therefore, salvation occurs at judgment. Uh, I feel like pausing. I give you time to drink some water. Salvation occurs at judgment. And let me explain to you what that then means. Salvation is not doing the sinner's prayer. Okay? That's not it. That's not it. Salvation occurs here. It occurs when, when you take your life and you commit it to Christ and you say, I will depend on you, I will rely on you for everything. You will defend me when I'm guilty. You will hold my hand and walk through life with me. And when things are hard, I will still trust you. Now, who is he that overcomes? The one who overcomes is the one who comes out of this world still relying, still believing, still trusting in Jesus. That's the overcomer. That's the overcomer. So the overcomer is not the one who has never smoked in his life. No, no, no. He'll still be judged. The overcomer is not the one who will show up at judgment with a CV saying, see how good I have been. X. The overcomer, the overcomer is who? It is this one. Let me read for you. Revelation 2 again. Verse 13. Verse 13. I know where, Revelation 2.13. I know where you live, a place where Satan sits enthroned. Yet you, yet you are clinging to and holding fast to my name. And you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed, martyred in your midst where Satan dwells. This is why I find it very funny that people can't go to places. There are people who lived where Satan lives. <laughs> they lived where Satan lives. So you, the places you can't go to, Shauriako, okay? 
Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have some people who are clinging to the teaching of Balaam and who taught Balak to set a trap, a stumbling block for the sons of Israel to entice them to eat food that has been sacrificed to idols and to practice lewdness, right? You also have some who, in a similar way, are clinging to the teaching of the Nicolaitans, those corruptors of the people. This thing I hate, right? He was able to hear and listen and heed to him who overcomes. So what is overcoming? Overcoming is sitting where Satan sits and still having your faith. Okay? So how was our father Abraham? It says they obtained a good report. What was it? It was simple. It says that even when his body was dying, he trusted in God. It's that simple. So when you want to understand salvation, you need to understand is the process of saving you starts when you get born again true. But trust me, it will end at judgment day. And what will be will the judge be checking? Do you trust in Jesus? Now let me explain something. Let me explain. That trust is this. Hear me correctly. That trust is I am unworthy. I am a sinner. I have messed up big time. But I believe in this Jesus. He's my brother. He's my friend. And because he will take me with him. Which is why it says this, that if we have died in him, then we will resurrect with him. Are we together? So what are you looking for? What is salvation as a basic understanding? Salvation is this. It is when your faith holds through the test of time and the trials and tribulations of life. Now, let me define for you something that is important. I've got 10 minutes or so to finish this thing. I hope it's being useful. Tell me if it is. Okay? I want to read for you something Paul wrote. Paul the Apostle. Just one second. Just one second. I want to read something from Paul. One second of one just now. Okay. So having computer problems. Okay. But it's working. I want you to read, you know it.
one second. Romans chapter 5 it took me a while. I want to go to Romans chapter 5. Uh, right. I want to start from verse 1 so we have context. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given right standing with God through faith, let us, through what? Through faith. Okay? Should I explain that? Let me explain. That we are justified through faith. Let me explain. That basically, what God does is he comes and checks and says, is Jesus your buddy? Do you trust Jesus? The moment you rely on Christ and he's your defense. What, what does that mean, he's your defense? That it's, it's like, it's like, listen, it's like this. It's like when, when, when you go to a restricted place, okay? Let's say a, 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 a club, you know, like Nairobi club or whatever. When you go and, and, and you need to enter and you're not a member, you will need a member to say, this is my guy, let him in, okay? It is the same thing, that when you trust in Jesus, then your access to God is Jesus, you get. So basically, imagine if, if God was a bouncer, for example, okay? So for you to enter his club, you've got to know Jesus. So Jesus has got to say, hey, I know that guy, let him in. That's what that righteousness means. I hope we're on the same page. Eh? All right? Uh, uh, through him, we have access. All right? We have our access, access entra entrance, introduction by faith into his grace. It is exactly the same thing I'm defining. So what is Paul saying? He's saying we have access to God's gift called grace, through Christ. What does that mean? Again, things are being dished out, right? Jesus has to say, wait a minute, I know you. I know you. Listen, the, the, the scripture says this. It says this. But there are men, there are men, now please hear me. There are men who healed the sick, cured the lepers, okay, cast out demons in his name. Then Jesus will come and say, get away from me. I did not know you. So faith to move mountains is not the same as faith in Christ. So they had faith to move mountains in his name. Uh, are we together? Or should I read that? Okay, let me read that. Let me read that. Let me read that. Let me read that scripture. Right? Uh, let me read that scripture because it bugs a lot of people. Uh, uh, Matthew 7.22 Matthew 7.22 We'll come back to Romans 5. Matthew 7, 22, I want you to read this because it changes absolutely how you view salvation, right? <laughs> Verse 20, I'll start there. 
Therefore, you will fully know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there's a difference. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and many done many mighty works in your name? So they knew about Jesus. So this is not knowing the existence of Jesus. This is not about doing exploits. What is it about? And then I will say to them openly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly. What is their wickedness? <laughs> what is their wickedness? These are people who are saying that they, 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 they cast out demons, they prophesied, they did all those things. Jesus did come and say, no, 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 you did do those things. He said, no, 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 those things you did were wicked because I did not know you. You are not my boy. I don't know you. So when, when we come to God with our bling bling, our reputation and things that we've done right, it is the same story. You're coming to a private club and you've worn your best suit, your best tie. My friend, the watchman will not care. He will ask you, who knows you here? And if Jesus does not know you, it's out with you. <laughs> that is why the thief had to tell Jesus at the cross when you come into your kingdom remember me I know how this works you remember me if you remember me I'm in I'm in it does not matter how many things I stole can you imagine if the person who that thief had stolen from was right there and then Jesus turns to this guy who's stolen from me and he says yeah I remember you dude Come on. Do you understand salvation now? How about changing your mind? Let's go back. Let's go back to, 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 to Romans 5. Because I need to finish here. Okay, this is where I need to go. Romans 5. Right? So it says, through him, through Christ, we have our access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Okay? So our access again is Jesus. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Moreover, let us be full of joy now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce Patient and unswerving endurance. This is an overcomer. What does it mean? That when you're in pressure, when you're in affliction and hardship, God wants you to develop patience and unwavering, unswerving, unchanging endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character. So if you've not been through pain, you're not mature in your character. Approved faith and tried integrity. And character of this hope produces the heartbeat of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. 
Oh, Jesus. Listen carefully, because I want you to understand where salvation comes. Salvation is for overcomers. Hear me correctly. All right? Right? Verse 3, let us exalt and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patient and swerving endurance. So you need to produce endurance. What is endurance? Endurance is the ability to go through pain, to go through hardship for a while. Could be a short while, a long while, I don't know what you're going through. And that endurance produces character. And that character produces the habitual, joyful, and confident hope of eternal salvation. You see? So your salvation is tied to your ability to overcome the challenges that you're facing in life. And how do you overcome those challenges? By what? By going through the sufferings, developing the hardness of skin, you call endurance, you need to develop, and having the character, the character of an overcomer. Okay? And then it continues to say, when you have developed that character, and that confident hope of salvation, it speaks of this hope that it says such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. For God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does that mean? What does it mean? It is not hope for a car. It is hope in Christ. Now let me explain something. And it's eight, so I've done my one hour. But let me explain something. I'll try and keep it under five minutes. I want you to understand something. You're very critical, very critical. That faith that has not gone through fire and produced character can't save you. Oh, hear me correctly. Faith that has not gone through fire and produced character in you cannot save you. A lot of people believe God for a job, but they've not gone through the a learning process of how to write a CV, how to apply for a job, how to have the right etiquette and confidence, nothing. You don't have it. You just do not have it. And because you don't have it, what do you do? Oh, it's simple. What you do is you try and coerce God to give you what you asked for, yet you lack the character for it. So you must go through a thing called trial. Okay? You must go through a thing called trial, which through perseverance builds your character, and with that character comes hope. If you do not have a character that has been refined through the fire, you are hopeless, I'm telling you now. <laughs> 
you're hopeless. Sister Robert, you're hopeless. Let me answer this question. Can you relate faith with the idea of not allowing people to congregate in church as a show of faith as alluded by some pastors during this COVID season is doing as instructed by ministry <laughs> instead of just playing a show uh, a show of no or little faith? Jane, that's a very good question. Now, let's take that into perspective. Remember, I started this by saying it is faith in Christ. It is not faith for a miracle. It is not faith for healing. It is not. It is faith in Christ. Pure and simple. Now, let me explain. If I believe in Christ, okay, I can walk into a hospital. When I am sick, I have not lost my faith in Christ. Why have I not uh, lost my faith in Christ? It is very simple. It is very simple. If Jesus could flee from people who tried to kill him twice, by the way. If he could flee from them, what does that tell you? Why didn't Jesus stay there and say, aha, you can't kill me, I'm waiting. <laughs> because believing in God is not equal to stupidity. Those who are saying that churches should congregate, then equally let them, you know the Bible also says you shall drink poison and shall not kill you, then go drink a liter of poison. Let's see what happens. You see, faith is faith. Be, wishful thinking and faith are different. Faith, when I believe in God, let's say you believe in my friend Robert here. Okay, I believe in him, right? And he says, "Are ah, you guy? Don't worry. Tomorrow I will fix transport for you to go to work." Right? Now he he has options. He can get me to work by sending his chopper. He can send a car. He can send me money to order for an Uber. He can buy me a car. He can do all manner of things. So God equally is not limited in his response to COVID. He can heal us through a doctor. He can heal us through a vaccine. He can heal us through herd immunity. He can heal us six million ways. doesn't change his godness. Are we clear? Which is why Christ never did the same miracle twice. Right? And Simon, I agree with you. Simple. You know, you just believe in God. It's that easy. When you do something wrong, believe in God. You do something right, believe in God. Trust in God. Now, I want to finish this. <laughs> I want you to understand something. Verse 6. And this is what faith in Christ means to me. While we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, Christ, at the fitting time, died on our behalf, on behalf of the ungodly. I love you too, bro. Simon. We'll see you soon, my brother. But let's underscore that. What does it say? While we were yet in weakness, powerless to help ourselves, at the fitting time Christ died. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not mine. 
That's what salvation is. It's, it's about believing in Christ and then going through the trials of life. The trials of life relying on Christ. It's that simple. So that when judgment comes, you don't point to your long list of things you've done. No, 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 no. You go like, I know that guy. But that's he, he knows me. We, 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 we go way back. He's my guy. That's why you must understand his resurrection and his life. It is to tell you that he's gone ahead of you. That he's died for you. He's paid the price, resurrected for you. So now you can live the resurrected life. How? It's simple. That's my guy. It's like getting a visa. When you apply for a visa to a different country, they always ask you, who do you know? A corporate, an individual, someone... And you go like, listen, I have a friend. That's why it says, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. And that's what salvation is about. It's not these things of, oh my God, I want a car, I want a car, I want a car. My friend, that's not it. That's not it. Change your prayer. Your prayer should be this. When you don't have transport to get to work tomorrow, you say, I need Jesus. When you don't have rent, you say, I need Jesus. The psalmist put it like this. He said, in the dry and weary land where there is no water, my soul is thirsting for you. So let me define faith for you properly. Faith is this, that when I'm facing the biggest trials of my life, then I look for Jesus. If I find myself looking for anything else, then that tells me I do not believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, it's a tough saying, but what does the psalmist say? He said, in the dry and weary land where there is no water, he does not thirst, he does not thirst for water, he thirsts for God. Because like Jacob, he understands if he can wrestle this God, if he can own this God, then he will have all the water he needs. And therefore Jesus says to the lady who was sitting by the well, I will give you water from on high and you will never thirst. And the water is Christ. So when we sing, give me water from the well, that never runs dry. Give me water from the well that gives me hope when I die. Give me water from the well that never runs dry. And I will thirst no more. Oh, that's what it's about. So when you have no car, you don't look for a car, you look for Jesus. When you have no money, 
You don't look for money first, you look for Jesus because you understand that if you can find this Jesus, rely on him, cling to him, then you too, when your boat is rocking, you too will be able to sleep soundly like Jesus did. I want to go back to Jesus. I want to go back to Matthew 7. I want to go back to Matthew 7. I want to show you something. I've got to finish. I've got so many things to do today. I've got to finish, but I am feeling this heavy on my heart that I need to share this. All right? The verse 24. I, I, I want you to understand this. And it says, so everyone who hears these words of mine, and acts upon them. You know, Jesus says words of love your neighbor. You know, this, 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 the usual. Will be like a sensible, practical, wise man who built his house upon a rock. And, and he's drawing the difference between these guys, the guys who go about casting out demons and prophesying, but have not love. Read Corinthians 13. And you know, you can give all your money to the poor and have not love. Okay. You can do that. You can do a lot of things and have no love. Ask Songo. <laughs> now, when Christ is talking about commands here, he's talking about the command that he gave us. This is my commandment that you love one another. You forgive one another. Those things. Now, it says, this man is like a man who built his house upon a rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew, the beat against the house, it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great and complete was the fall of it the difference between a believer and an unbeliever is not the presence of the storm in life Everyone faces the storm. Hear me correctly. Everyone faces the storm. Everyone. The difference is this. When the storm comes, did you build on the rock? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So here's the thing. Your business will it stand. <laughs> your marriage will it stand everything in your life will it stand the question is not whether the storm will come it will for sure come the question is on who did you build do you know him does he know you are you friends does he have your back 
Do you believe he has your back even when it seems for a minute that he is not? If he is your friend to that level, that you trust him to that level, then you, my dear brother, will be saved. But if you don't, if you just believe he exists and is a waiter to bring you the things you want and you get mad at him when he doesn't, then you, my dear brother, I can tell you for free here and now, salvation shall elude you. I do not care how many prophecies, how many tongues, how many miracles you do. If you do not rely on him, if he does not know you, my friend, he will tell you at the end of the age, get away from me, you worker of iniquity, I did not know you. I hope I've defined salvation for you. And I hope those of you who are struggling through hard times, divorces, separations, you know, hard times, you just had it here. It's here to build your character, to make you better. When you have a character like that, you have hope that does not disappoint. So God didn't let you down. No. Took you to school. Enjoy your classes. See you next week. <laughs>